0: Good morning. Isn't it a delight to be praising our wonderful Father? Amen. Amen. I have the honor of reading to you the Lord's word today. It's in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As you're in today. I didn't have to do the normal preacher thing and like ask it again because you guys just caught on. You know, really, I just wasn't prepared yet, but you know, it's great. Silence works. Uh, It's been such a a wonderful time diving into our series the last couple weeks called "Becoming Like Jesus," and this is a series where we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, and these fruit are the, the characteristics that should mark us as Christians. And so diving into them is good for us. It's, it's a delight for us to dive into them. And I encourage you to spend lots of time in Galatians 5 reading these lists over and over and over and over and over again because they're, they're very good for us to, to dwell on these characteristics. Um, ultimately, these characteristics they're, they're an integral part of followers of Jesus. They, they should mark who we are, and ultimately, we should be people that are excited about being fruit-filled people. Like, this should be something that motivates us and excites us. We should be people that, that want to live lives that are full of the fruit of the Spirit. But that doesn't happen by happen chance. It doesn't happen on its own. We don't wake up one morning and just be like, oh, I've arrived. Everything is good. All the bad is stripped away. That hasn't happened for me yet. I don't think it's happened for any of you yet. It's a process by which we learn to die to ourselves and live life in the fullness of the Spirit. And part of the way that we get to do that, and this is a plug for small groups, you saw it coming, part of the way that we get to do that is living life in community, where we dive into these things of God with one another. And so if you're not part of a small group yet, I really encourage you to be a part of one. The one that Brooke and I are leading has been so much fun already in just two weeks. First week we got to have a fire, and I made burgers, so you guys missed out on all that if you weren't there. And then last week we got to dive in and talk about love a lot. And that's what our small groups are doing, we're diving into deeper what we're talking about on. On Sunday mornings so that we can become people that are fully formed and become like Jesus Christ. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you to stop by the Next Step Center on your way out to learn more about our small groups. And today, we get to have fun. We're talking more about the fruit of the Spirit, and last week we did love, and so if, you know, one, two, that means joy is this week. And I got to tell on myself, this week has not been joyful for me. This has been one of the most difficult weeks for me emotionally in a long time. And there's no reason for it. Like, there wasn't, like, great tragedy. There wasn't, like, all the craziness that happened. I was just meh all week. And part of that is, you know, I know I'm preparing to preach on joy, and so the devil's like, no. uh uh-uh, not this week. But we've made it through, and I'm not fully there yet I'm not up and up, but, you know, crying during worship definitely helps with that. Remembering and rehearsing salvation among the people of God, rehearsing what it's going to be like in heaven helps with that. And this morning, we get to talk about the joy that comes from the Lord, the joy from the Lord that is our salvation. And this week, I need it. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I preached to myself as I went over my notes this morning and I'm preaching to myself again. So if you guys don't say amen, I'm going to amen myself. And it's not self-serving. It's because I need this this morning just as much as I know some of you need this. Because this week I was a bit curmudgeonly. I was a bit meh. I was not joyful. And it's important for us to remember what God has called us towards. He has called us towards joy life is kind of like what i described this week there are going to be weeks where we feel meh where not everything goes the way that we want it to go and sometimes we have no clue why that is happening in those moments joy can feel like a battle and it can feel like one that, that we don't know how to win, that we don't have the weapons to fight. We're just sitting there it's like, God, I know that you want me to have joy. I know that you've provided a way for me to have joy, but it just seems over there and I can't get to it right now. There are going to be weeks where it's like that. There's also going to be weeks where, where we know that there's the battle for joy, but we know that that joy is the balm that our soul needs. It's the very solution that we need in our lives. In the midst of weariness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of grief that we don't even know the source of, that joy that comes from the Lord is a mighty balm for our souls. God's called us to be joyful. It's what his word tells us. Scripture is full of reminders and commands to rejoice and allow the joy of the Lord to be our strength. And I think deep down, us gathered here today, we know that we're called to have joy, right? Like like we know that's something that we're called to have, but sometimes it just feels like we're filled with grief and that's difficult to overcome. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense why we're struggling, like me this week. I'm like, I don't have a, a solid reason for it. like. People ask me like, "Yeah, what's the matter?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just I'm melancholy this week. I, I don't know what's wrong. We know that we're supposed to have joy. Sometimes it escapes us. But the joy that we're called to have isn't rooted in ourselves. It's not rooted in pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and and encouraging ourselves. The joy that we're called to have is rooted in and produced by the Spirit. And that's what changes everything. Because when we try to manufacture it on our own, we're always left in this place of frustration. Because it's not our own strength, it's not our own power, it's not our own might, it comes from the Spirit. And any time we try to produce that on our own, we're left in this place of, of frustration, where it's never quite what we want it to be. It seems like it's just out of reach, the joy that we're chasing after. It seems like we're always striving, but we're never arriving at what God has called us. We, we want joy. We want to grab hold of it. We want to live these lives where we rejoice in the Lord. But when we chase after it on our own and look for it in ourselves and in the things of the world, we find ourselves frustrated. Maybe you're here and you've bought into the myth, whenever I get to, you fill in the blank, then I'll be happy. Whenever I get that promotion or whenever I'm married, or when I finally get to buy that house that I really want, or when I finally am able to buy whatever, or I'm finally able to have this, or I'm finally able to, you fill in the blank with what is inside of you. I'll finally have joy. Those lies that we tell ourselves over and over. but That's what it is. It's a lie the idea that just around the bend that we will find fulfillment it's not a scriptural concept it's not something that we find rooted in the word of god rather it is a humanistic concept it's something that's focused on ourselves saying that it's just deeper within you you can find it you can dream it you can imagine it you can chase after it and you will be fulfilled but it's a myth friends it's a lie It's not within you. We need a different kind of joy. A joy that's not rooted in our circumstances, that's not rooted in things or relationships or fill in the blank, but is rooted in God. At the same time, we're we're not to be people that are to strip away all of our emotions. Just like we're not supposed to find it in ourselves, we're, not al- we're also not supposed to be people that just strip everything away. And just go through life, well, you know, I'm not going to enjoy anything. I'm just going to be here by myself, and I'm just going to pray all day. This is a world that we're to enjoy. God has made things for us to enjoy by common grace as well. It's okay to enjoy a nice steak, all right? It's okay to enjoy some really great third wave coffee. And you guys are like, third wave coffee, I have no clue what you're talking about. Trust me, if you have it, it's wonderful, I'll make you some sometime. It's the cappuccino that you drink and you're just like, ah, this is what they will be drinking in heaven. This is surely what the Lord has made. This is the fruit of the spirit. Because coffee is a fruit, it comes from a, never mind. We're going we're gonna to stop. We're going to stop. Back to the notes, Kevin. As humans, we're typically pulled in two competing directions. Right. We're either pulled in the direction that we're trying to find everything within ourselves. We're trying to say that just around the bend, there's the promotion or the house or whatever, and that's where I'm going to find joy. Or we're pulled in the other direction that says, I'm going to rid myself of all those things towards more of a philosophy of stoicism, where I'm going to rid myself of emotions. And that's where true fulfillment and where true joy is. Neither of those things are where actual joy is. And oftentimes we feel those competing things in the same day or maybe even the same hour at times. where We're pulled to, I'm going to get it, it's going to be great, I'm going to find it, I'll be joyful, to, no, I'm going to rid myself of all of that. We need something different altogether. There's a battle raging within us that's seeking to take us off course. Of course, from the things of God. And we must fight against it by leaning on the Spirit who is at work within us. It's not finding it in ourselves. It's not just ridding ourselves. It's by leaning on the Spirit that we find life. We cannot be people that are joy junkies or joy prohibitionists. Instead, we must allow the joy that comes from the Lord to be our strength. It's about finding the right kind of joy. You know, I think sometimes we can be suspicious of joy. Anyone, anyone here suspicious of joy? Okay, we, you guys are brave, raising your hand and everything. Man, you guys are into it this morning. There's this quote from Christopher Wright that I, I really love. He says this, maybe we are suspicious of joy. Life is a serious business, we may say, and so it is. We may think that Christianity is more than just having a laugh, and so it is. But that doesn't mean we should not have hearts that are filled with joy when our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul was happy to repeat the command, so let's obey it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We can be suspicious of joy. We can be serious that salvation is a serious business, that world evangelization is a serious business. But we are called to be people that are rooted in joy, rooted in the joy of the Lord. And God has called us to have this joy, and he's equipped us to have it as well. And it's altogether different than anything else. Joy is ultimately a gift of God. It's a grace-filled gift of God because God himself is joyful. God is joyful, and that's something that we need to get inside of us. God is not the cosmic curmudgeon. And it's the second time I've used curmudgeon in one sermon, so I'm sorry. He's not a cosmic curmudgeon. He is a joy-filled God who delights in his works and in his creation. He's full of joy. And this is really good news for us because we are God's creation. He delights in us and we are saved by his works. He delights in the salvation that he causes within us. God has quite literally saved us into his joy. He has saved us into his joy. We're not lowly creatures who are to spend our days in gloom and despair. That's not what God has for us. We are redeemed creatures who are to spend our days in joy and elation because of who we are to God by his this is what we have in Christ Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. His joy is our strength. So let's dive into our text this morning. I want to reread 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that Peter is wasting no time at all in this letter. Like he's jumping right in and he's telling the people of God the good news of the gospel once again. He's jumping right into it. Peter's words are full of praise. He's full of praise because the gospel produces joy-filled living. Peter's letter is, is is just this mic. It's just this look. Words escape me. It's this look into what it looks like to have joy and to have it overflow in our interactions. Peter can't help but bust out into praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time you started a conversation like that? If you're like me, probably it's been a while or maybe never at all. But wouldn't it be great if we did? Wouldn't it be great if we did start conversations like that? Instead of starting our conversations based off our our need or what's going on in our life or what's happening in the world around us, what if we started conversations like praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Sure, we're going to get some weird looks. That's okay. It's okay to get some weird looks every once in a while. But I want the kind of life that radiates the joy of the Lord and propels people to praise God. I want the kind of life that radiates that. And so I want to be the type of person that says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's the life that God would have for us. I believe that he wants us to live these joy-filled lives. See, often I don't think that we truly understand that joy is a foundational ingredient in God's plan for our lives. We're suspicious of it. Holiness? Sure. Love? Okay, I can get behind that. But joy? Joy? Sorry, God, my my personality, it's somber. My personality is reserved. I'm a serious man. No, God has called us to have joy. We may have natural inclinations to be melancholy. We may have natural inclinations to to be serious. We may have those things as part of who we are, but they're not excuses for us. God has called us to live joy-filled life. God has something different planned for us. He has a life of joy for us. Joy is number two in the list of the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. God desires for us to live joy-filled lives that are rooted in Him. He's gone to great lengths to make that happen. He's gone to great lengths for us to have joy in Him. Consider John 10.10. I encourage you to memorize this verse. This is where Jesus is saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why Jesus come. I have come that they, my disciples, may have life and have it to the full. Jesus didn't come for us to have life to the median. Didn't come for us to have life to the average. He came for us to have life to the full. And it's a life that is rooted in him and his way. It's a life where everything has been changed in us because of the salvation of God. Listen again to what Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's where we say amen, that's where we, where we jump up, that's where we say glory to God, hallelujah, amen, amen, can I get a witness? That's just for Jim Kennedy, he's been bothering me for eight months to say, can I get a witness? And it finally fit in right there in the sermon. <laughs> now I know I just made some of y'all real uncomfortable this morning. You're like, what kind of church did I go into this morning? You came into a church that's going to put their joy in God. That understands the salvation that comes from him. Because that should make us jump up. It should make us shout. It should say, God, you have done so much for me. You have saved me and you have set me free. My life of sin, my life of shame, my life of despair, gone. I am new. I have a living hope. How can we remain unmoved by our salvation? How can we sit here somber and just be like, yeah, I'm saved. You are saved! The old is gone, the new is here. He has done great things. We have a living hope because Jesus has defeated the grave and our inheritance is eternal life with God forever. Do You realize that when Jesus brought you to life, when you were born again by the Spirit, that there was celebration in heaven. There was celebration. They had a good old time about you coming to Jesus, about new life being birthed in you. And you're like, Me? Yes, you. In John or in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables. Now, I'm not going to read all of them this morning, and you all said amen. But I encourage you to go read them yourselves this week. He tells three parables, and they're about lost things. He tells a parable about a lost sheep, of a lost coin, and of a lost son, or what we might typically refer to as the prodigal son. At the end of each of these parables, Jesus emphatically teaches that whenever someone is saved, there's great rejoicing over the one that was lost but is now found. Great rejoicing in heaven. And I want us to get that, to understand that. God rejoices over you coming to him. He doesn't say, oh, there's Sam. I guess we'll let him in. He said, No, Sam! My son, you've made it! I love you! You're redeemed! All the rest of you too, not just Sam. That's what God does. He celebrates over us. At the end of John 15, in the parable of the lost son, Jesus shows this glimpse of the Father. It's just so beautiful. It's Luke 15, 32. And the Father's telling this to his other son. He says, we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is now found. Our mantra should be similar. It should be the same thing. I have to celebrate and be glad because I was once dead, but now I am alive. I was lost, but now I am found. The Lord has set us free, and that is cause for joy in our lives, friends. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Amen. That is joy unspeakable. The joy that comes from knowing that we are saved is our fuel for life. It is the fuel for our life. It's fuel for the days of despair, for the days of darkness, for the days of grief. It is fuel for in the chaos. It is fuel for life. It's a blessing from God that changes our hearts from the inside out and and flows into every area of life of our lives. It's a good gift from God. But we're reminded that sometimes joy isn't easy. Like for me this week. It's not always easy. Grief is real. We are we struggle is promised. It's promised. I'm sorry. But scripture tells us it's promised. Scripture tells us grief is real and what we have to do is learn how to practice or rehearse joy in the midst of that in the midst of the grief in the midst of the trial in the midst of the pain in the midst of the difficulty we have to learn how to rehearse joy let's look at our next verses first peter 1 6 through 9 in all this you greatly rejoice, talking about what he just said. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You may have had, you gotta suffer. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's real straightforward here, guys. He's like, yeah, you get to rejoice in all that God's done in salvation, but you're going to experience some grief. You're going to have some difficulty. And you're like, gee, thanks, Peter. Thanks for that. I-, I thought this salvation thing was all about health, wealth, and happiness. Sorry, friends. It's not all about that. It is about the life that is to come. Eternal life with Grief is going to happen. Things aren't going to work out the way we want them to in this world. We will experience trials. We will experience loss. We will experience grief and depression and anxiety and all of those things that we struggle with. We we will experience them. But there is a joy that comes from the Lord that is our strength in the midst of all of that. All of these are an opportunity for the Lord to work in and through us. Being joyful in the midst of grief is what Jerry Bridges calls taking the long-range view. He says this, he says, to take the long-range view is to rejoice because our names are written in heaven. It is to rejoice in the Lord, in whom alone we have the hope of an eternal inheritance that far outweighs whatever troubles we are now experiencing. To take the long range view is to follow the example of Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As Christians, We have hope of eternal life with God. That's our long range view. And that means we can look beyond our limited human analysis of what's going on around us. We can look past everything that we're going through, whether death, or life, Whether sickness or health, whether persecution or triumph, whether destitution or plenty, we rest in knowing that God has saved us. And that is what really matters. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, we're going to go through trial. Yes, we're going to have grief. Yes, we're going to have suffering. But that is not our ultimate reality. Because one day, all things will be made new. One day, we will obtain our inheritance in the Lord, the eternal life that comes from God. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. It is our greatest reality. And everything we go through now is an opportunity to live in that reality. To live in our ultimate reality, not in our circumstances. But it doesn't happen automatically. It's not an easy thing for us. I want to read Psalm 42, 3 through 6 for us. And this was me this week. Thursday, sermon wasn't done. Thursday afternoon, sermon wasn't done. And typically, that's the end of my work week. Rest Friday, Saturday, my work week starts on Sunday. Sermon wasn't done. I was full of grief. And so I just went and sat in the gazebo. We have a wonderful gazebo back there, by the way. You can go sit there and pray and cry out to God, all of those things. I was just sitting there. And it was wonderful weather outside. And I'm just sitting there hoping that the spider and the spider web doesn't crawl up and get me. Um, all that fun stuff. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling. Like, I, I don't know why I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm in grief. I, I don't know what's the wrong with me today. And the Lord said, Why are you downcast, O my soul? He took me to this psalm, to Psalm 42, and I want to read it for you, verses 3 through 6. My tears have been my food day and night. That doesn't sound too appetizing. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive procession. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. We're going to have these times, friends, where our souls are downcast, when we're weary, when we're struggling, and those are the times that we're called to remember all that God has done. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message paraphrase of verse 6. He says it like this. He says, when my soul is in the dumps, and I, I love that imagery, when my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know about. It's why in ancient Israel, in the Old Testament, they put up monuments. It's why they were told to teach their children about these things. It was about rehearsing the story of God. Remembering what God has done. So that when we get to those times of difficulty, when we get to those times where everything seems to be going wrong, when we are like, God, I'm struggling, why is my soul so downcast? Why am I struggling? We can then tell ourselves again the story of God. Tell ourselves again the great salvation that we have obtained because of the free gift of God through Christ Jesus. That our souls have been redeemed. That we have been ransomed. That we have been reconciled to God. When our souls are full of unneed, when they're full of anxiousness, when they're full of despair, and whatever else, you fill in the blank. That's the time to rehearse everything we know to be true about God. That's what it looks like to practically walk in the Spirit. To no longer walk in our despair, but to instead go over here and remind ourselves what we know to be true about God. Not walking in what's in our souls, but to instead rehearse what we know to be true about God. It's to say, what I'm going through is hard. It's difficult. I don't know the way out, but I know that there is a greater reality in my life. I know that the ultimate truth of who I am is that I am a beloved child of God who has been saved by the blood of Jesus. I was dead, and now I am alive. I was lost, but now I am free. Every moment of grief, every moment of difficulty is an opportunity to grow in our faith. To be refined into people who look like Jesus. To be people that have been transformed. I think that's what Peter's getting at in 1 Peter 1, 1.7 when he says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God doesn't allow us to go through things to torment us. That's not who God is. He allows us to go through things so that we will be transformed. And the end result of that transformation is on the final day getting to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. That's the ultimate glory and honor and praise for us. It's hearing those words from God and Father, from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. And in this life, The beauty of this is we get to work backwards from that. We get to work backwards from that moment. We know that's our inheritance. We know what's coming. We know the end of the story. We get to work backwards from that. It's the fuel that we need to live life that is truly life in the midst of the difficulty. Because we know what's coming. Let me reread verses 8 and 9 for us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. An inexpressible and glorious joy. We are being transformed. It's the glorious work of God in us. And as we learn to yield to the Spirit of Christ, as we learn to walk in His ways, He fills us with that joy. That joy that's unspeakable. That joy that's completely different. And it's a joy that's unlike the joy of the things of the world. It's not fleeting. It's not fleecing us and saying, when you get here, everything will be fine. It is true joy. Joy unspeakable. Glorious joy because of what Jesus has done. That's where it's rooted, in the salvation of our souls by the work of God in salvation. Let's make it our highest aim to walk by the Spirit, to walk and rehearse the things of God, not our situation. Not our circumstance, not our grief, not our despair, not all of those things that we find ourselves in. But let's walk in the joy that comes from the Lord. Walk in, by, and of the Spirit. Let's be people that cling to Jesus, that remember our salvation at all times. Remembering that that salvation is our greatest truth. I'll say it again, it's not your circumstances that's your greatest truth. It's our salvation. God has loved us with an unfailing love. He's given us an inheritance as his beloved children. That's what he has done for us. That's the good news of the gospel. It's cause for us to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let's rehearse that. Let's live it out. Let's practice the presence of God. Let's live in the reality that the joy of the Lord is our strength, not ourselves, not anything else. He has made a way. How wonderful is that? Please stand with me as I pray. Father, we lift high your name this morning. We give you all glory and honor and praise. We worship you. And this morning, I pray that you would help us to rehearse all that you've done. To remember our salvation. To remember the freedom that comes from Christ. To Remember that we are redeemed, we are reconciled, that we have been made new. God, this morning we're going through stuff. Or people that have despairs. People that are walking in trials. People that are walking in great grief. And we know that that's not our ultimate reality. But we ask you to help us remember that. To remember that we have a great inheritance. The salvation of our souls. Help us to remember that one day, all things will be made new. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more hurting. That all creation will be made new. Help us to remember that This morning, God. We love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name that we pray.